will be in the New Testament this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and be looking at God's Word and opening up the first uh, seven verses in that chapter uh, where Paul is going to give us some pretty good information this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Title of the message this morning, and if you got my email that I sent out on Friday, uh, you know the title is The Treasure in the Ministry. And I bet every one of you wonder where I get these titles from. And you're sitting there thinking, what in the world are we going to be talking about? Well, you can kind of figure out what the treasure is and how do you associate that to ministry. But it's very important. We're going to look at a couple things. One, it's the treasure that we have. And two, the ministry that we have. And so it's very important that we study that and open that up. And so if you have a Bible, open that up. If you have an app, open that up. But, but we're going to talk about God's Word this morning in that aspect this morning. I'm going to look at it because it's very important. In our ministry as a Christian, and we've talked about this many, many times, but our ministry as a Christian, there's a lot of discouragement. There can be a lot of discouragement. There can be a lot of things that we have to deal with. There's a lot of obstacles that we face on a daily basis. We've talked about some of those in the past. There are times in our lives when it's difficult to share the gospel. Amen? Sometimes it's hard to share the gospel. It's difficult to share the gospel, but we need to press on. There's numerous obstacles that we face, outside pressures that are trying to get us to conform this world and our, our life into worldly functions, into worldly aspects, into a worldly agenda. There are pressures that try to get us to adjust the Word of God. Try to get us to change the Word of God, get us to adjust the Word of God, to fit in around the lives of people so that people feel more comfortable. Amen? We want to feel more comfortable. We want to make sure that you're happy. We want to make sure that, that we mold the Word so that it fits around your schedule, so that it fits around your lifestyle. We live in a world where people use the concept and the statement that everybody deserves to be what? Happy. They all deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. Here's another statement to use. You should be happy that they're doing the things that, what, make them happy. Amen? We should look at these. This is what the world is telling us. You should be happy when they do the things that make them happy. It was no different during the time when the apostle Paul was serving in Christian ministry. Paul's going to give us an example. We know that Jesus Christ was the model example, but we look at the life of the apostle Paul, and Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. We look at what his example is. It was no different in the time of Paul's uh, teachings and the Paul of uh, sharing the gospel. He had some pretty difficult times. There was some difficulty in his Christian ministry as well. He had plenty of reason for discouragement, yet the Bible says that he pressed on for the prize. He pressed on. He didn't give up. He pushed forward. He drudged through the hard stuff. He went through all the difficulties, and he pressed on toward the prize. What was it? Here's the question. What was it that kept Paul pressing on when the world around him was so full of discouragement? What keeps the Christian pressing on when the world around us is so full of discouragement, so full of pressures that we have to deal with. Paul, here's the thing, and this goes to the treasure in the ministry. He knew what he possessed in Jesus Christ. Amen? He knew what he had in Jesus Christ. He knew what Christ stood for. He knew what Christ's ministry was. He knew what Christ's sacrifice stood for. He knew what he had in Jesus Christ. He knew what he had. He knew what he had that changed his life, and he was not going to back down. 
Nobody more changed than the Apostle Paul, and he was going to press on, and he would not back down. Instead of complaining about the circumstances around him or the things that he did not have, he rejoiced in what he did have, and as Christians, people, we need to rejoice in what we have. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how many struggles we deal with, no matter how many times we deal with sickness, we need to press on, and we need to be thankful for what we have. If you are able... Will you stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And I want you to pay special attention. Now, we pay attention. Let me get ready. You're not getting wet, are you, Tyler? (laughs) Pay attention to every single word in the Scripture we leave. But I want you to look heavy on this first verse because it has a lot to do with what I want you to get, the point I want you to get out this morning. All right, so we start in verse 1. It says, Therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore, that means that Paul has been talking about something that's important and he's going to finish it out with something that's going to solidify what he's been talking about. Therefore, since we have this ministry, and he's talking about Christian ministry, because we are shown mercy, here we go, we do not give up. We do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now here we go, verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Lavenda, you hand me that right there. I was going to use Haley's, but she took it with her. <laughs> so what kind of ministry was Paul involved in? What, what was the point of Paul trying to get across to in this passage of Scripture? What is the point of Christian ministry? Those are some important questions that we're going to ask her. It was the kind of ministry that changed the lives of people. We know that Christian ministry would change the lives of people. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it gets into the heart of people, it would change their lives and it changes them radically. It was the kind of ministry that does not need to be hidden. It does not need to be simply inside the church building. It needs to be outside the walls of the church. It should not be hidden from people. It's the kind of ministry that needs to be revealed to all people throughout the world. And we, Patty and I talked about that this morning riding down here. All people throughout the world need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Some people, and it was in a Sunday school lesson this morning, some people are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ multiple times. They're going to be able to hear it a lot more times, and some people only get to hear it one time, and they haven't heard it yet. 
but it, not, it needs to be shared and revealed to all people throughout the world. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we're on mission with, with, with our Father. It is a ministry that brings new life to all people. Jesus Christ himself said, I make all things what? New. I bring new life. I make all things new. It leads people to the one who provides new life. It brings people to the one who provides salvation. Sharing the gospel brings people into a righteous state of uh, of presence with God the Father. It changes lives of people. It's a ministry that is able to transform people from what they are to what God wants them to be. Amen? It moves them. Man, you can't, the Holy Spirit can't come upon you that you don't want to move. I mean, you're going to get going and move. Christian ministry is a gift from God. It's given to us, and Paul talks about it. Because of God's mercy and his grace, he shared it with us. He gave us a challenge. He gave us a mission. He gave us Christian ministry for a specific reason. Not because of anything that we do. Not because of anything we've done. Not to promote ourselves in ministry, but to promote God the Father. To glorify God in heaven. That's what he gave it to us to do for. Because we will love God, and God loves us, and he loves his creation now let's look a little further the way that you look at your own christian ministry helps you determine how you fulfill it when you self-examine this is when you look at your own self how do you look at your christian ministry how do you look at the actions that you're taking how do you look at it the fact that when people see you do they see a christian do they see the walk of a christian or do they see something that's that's only a christian on sundays you look at your self-examination how you look at your own ministry is how you determine how you feel it if you look at serving his people, God's people, as a burden instead of a privilege, it's going to show that way. You'll only do the minimum that's required of you. You'll only do the things that you have to do in order to get the job done. You won't go beyond the simple minimum of what needs to be done. You're simply going through the motions, doing just enough to get by so that you can actually say that you're doing Christian ministry. Uh-oh, I'm stepping on toes this morning, I'm bringing it. Here we go. Let's talk about it. But remember what I told you last week. I ask myself every question that I ask you before I ask it to you. Church, let me be clear on something. Going through the motions is not what Jesus Christ intends for your lives. Going through the motions is not what he intends for your Christian ministry. He doesn't want you just to get by. He doesn't intend for you just to to be scraping by so that you can solidify your time in heaven. He gives us a ministry and a work to do, and we need to be on fire for doing it. We were created for much greater purpose and a much greater plan than what we're simply getting by with. Some people have the attitude that Christian ministry is just too difficult. Man, it is hard. Let me just reinforce that. It's hard work to share the gospel. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. Sometimes they're reluctant to hear it. Sometimes they want to compete with you on sharing the gospel. Sometimes they want to talk with you about how much they know about the Bible. Sometimes they want to share with you things that they think they know that they don't truly know. It's hard work to share the gospel. It's hard work to make disciples. It's hard work to lead a church. It's hard work to be a Christian. It's hard to study the Bible each and every day. Amen? It's hard work to make it a commitment that I'm going to get up, I'm going to read that that text like I'm supposed to. I'm going to be in meditation each and every day. This is hard work. This isn't easy. It's, It's much easier just to put that on the back burner and I'll catch it a little bit later. It's hard work to do that. And many times it's hard work to live the life that is pleasing to God. It's what we want to do it. But sometimes it's hard work. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that being a Christian is easy. I've not read that. Have you? 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that being a Christian is easy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that any of this stuff is easy. On the contrary, when we look throughout the Bible, you see where Christians many times, more times than not, they didn't have it easy. They worked through some very difficult times in the history. And we know we look at, we look at the lives of some very prominent people in the Bible, and they did not have it easy. But one thing that they did have then and we have now is that the fact that the creator of the universe was walking with them every step of the way. Amen. The same God that was walking with Moses. The same God that was walking with Abraham. The same God that's walking with Jesus. The same one that was with Jesus when he was on the cross is the same God that we have access to today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the same God. He hasn't changed. He hasn't moved away. He hasn't gotten any further away from us. He said he still has access to him just like he should, he's given us. We know through the power of prayer that we have access to him every day. We know through the word, the truth that he's given us. We can get into the truth. We can get into the word. And we know that he's right there with us. That he's sharing with us. He's opening things up to us. He's taking the scales off of our eyes so that we can see what he wants us to see. Church, believe me. When I say he's walking with us step by step each and every day. I mean, we couldn't get through a day without him. If you try to get through a day without him, what does it look like? But you've got to start your day with him. When your feet hit the floor, you need to be in, in tune with him. And I tell you what, it'll be a different day when he's walking with you that day. When Paul considered the fact that he was a minister of Jesus Christ, he was, the Bible says he was overwhelmed with the grace and the mercy that God had shown him. He was humbled that God had even selected him. You think about Paul, man. Paul was a Christian killer, and God changed him. God used him to be a, a mighty voice for him. The attitude that Paul has was a positive one. He says in, in his Bible, he says in the Scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you can't just stop there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me for the purpose that God has created me to do. Because he created me for a purpose. And for that purpose, he's going to strengthen me. As a Christian, he's called me to be a Christian. He's called me to be someone who shares the gospel. But he didn't tell me I've got to do it on my own. He didn't say, here it is, go do it. He said, I'm going to walk with you. He's called me to, to, to be there with me every single way. I can do all things through him who strengthens me for the purpose that he's created me to do. This positive attitude that Paul had toward Christian ministry has some powerful impacts on his own life. For one, let's look at this. It gave Paul a desire and a drive to press on. He said, I press on for the prize. It gave him that desire, a hunger to share the gospel. It gave him that desire to, to talk with people who did not know Jesus Christ so that they would come to know him. He gave him a desire to, to help people. We don't look a little bit further. For one, he had that desire, but he was not a quitter in the face of difficulty. He said in verse 1, we do not quit. Until God calls us home, until he either returns or calls us home, we do not quit. We press on. His motives for sharing the gospel were genuine and sincere. This is important. Some of the Corinthians, if you go back and look, and that's, that's where the therefore came in. If you go back and look at the Corinthians and what they were talking about before that, some of them had insinuated that Paul was simply in this for what he could get out of it. That's what they were saying. You're just in it for what you can get out of it. That's what you, you look at today's world. And the same thing is, is certain people are in it for what they can get out of it. And that's what they were talking about Paul. But we know based on his attitude and his actions and his determination for sharing the gospel, we know that Paul's ministry was genuine and we know it was sincere. Amen. 
Man, his ministry was, was spot on for what Jesus Christ had called him to do. So let's look at this. Why in the world would Paul keep preaching with all the dangers that surrounded Christian ministry? Because there was a lot of dangers. Persecution. Paul was one of those that persecuted. Paul knew what it was like to be persecuted as a Christian because Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He had firsthand knowledge of what they would have to go through to be a Christian. He knew because he had instilled that pain and inflicted that pain on people before uh, God, Jesus got a hold of him. You think about it. Jesus got a hold of Paul and changed him into one of the most powerful voices in Christian ministry. He was a, one of the most powerful advocates in the New Testament for Jesus Christ. Someone of lesser determination most likely would have given up. And we can't give up. We've got to press on. Paul looked upon his ministry the same way that all Christians should look upon the ministry that God has given us. We are stewards of what God has given us. Not only has God given us a task to do, but he's also given us the ability and the strength to carry out that task by providing the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He lives inside of you. He gives you the strength. He gives you the power. He gives you the words. He gives you the boldness. He goes ahead of you. He sets the stage. He picks everything right for you. And then when you share the gospel, that's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything else. The power of the Holy Spirit changes that person if they're going to change because you can't change anybody. He didn't give us the task to change anybody. He said, talk to people, tell them about my love, tell them how much I love them, share them about what Jesus did for them, and offer it up to them and let them make their own choice. He's given us a task. The gospel's too important for Paul to give up on. The gospel's too important for us to give up on. Man, it, it is so important. And, and look for opportunities to share the gospel and never back down and never give up. The gospel is too important to Paul. He was clear in verse 1, because of what God has given us, we don't give up. And God's given us the truth. And the Bible is the truth. You've got to understand the Bible as the truth to be able to read it. If you don't understand the Bible as the truth, you can read it, but you will not understand it. You've got to understand the truth. He's given us the truth. We don't give up. And this is strictly about Scripture. We don't change it. We don't distort it. That's what he's talking about. We don't adjust it. We don't make it sound better. We don't make it sound different or more comfortable just so people will be able to hear it. We just read it to them. We explain it to them. But we don't adjust it. Amen? We don't give up in Christian ministry. We go the distance in Christian ministry. This is something that, that, I, that I really dug into this week. Just like Paul said, I press on for the prize. We also press on in Christian ministry because of what we know about Jesus Christ. Because we want to know Christ. Because we want to know Christ and make him known for the lost and dying world. I did a little bit of, of backstage research this morning on Pine Hill Baptist Church. Because I'm still learning about each of you and many of you. And I just knew there'd been a lot of people pressing on in this church for many, many years. And I did some research, and I come to find out that at Pine Hill Baptist Church, there are Christians who have been pressing on in this church for 40, 50, 60, and 70-plus years. Amen? Christians in this church have been pressing on. Some joined the church in the 50s. I, I talked to, to, to one that said they joined in... In 50, well, it started coming in 53 and joined in 58. And I said, that was before I was born. And she said, you poor baby. <laughs> you missed out on the good old days. It's amazing. And I talked to some others about the same thing. But there's people dedicated to this church that have been pressing on 
with the gospel, pressing on with the ministry of this church. This church has a significant history, amen? Man, it's got a lot of solid people pressing on. There's a lot of people over the years that have been pressing on for the purpose of making Jesus Christ known and making God glorified. Anything else? Is anything else important? Man, we want to make Christ known, and we want God to be glorified as a result of whatever we do, whether it's eating on third Sunday or whether it's Sunday school or whether it's men's ministry fellowship or whether it's coming in and sitting in this church. Man, we want to make Jesus Christ known, and we want God to be glorified. Amen? Let's look at verses 3 and 4, and I'm getting close. I know we're pressing this morning. Verses 3 and 4, but if the gospel is veiled, and that means if it's covered up, it is veiled for those who are perishing. People are perishing. People are going to hell as a result of not knowing Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. If the gospel is veiled, it's covered up for those that are perishing. In this case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Man, I see that every day. Jesus has got the blinders on some people They cannot see the gospel. They don't know the Lord of the Bible. They don't know the God of the Bible, and they are struggling and lost. Our world today is full of false teachers. Let's look at this. And false Christian. False teachers were successful in winning converts in Paul's day, just like they are today. Let me tell you something. Whatever controls the mind controls the body. It controls the purpose. Whatever controls the mind, the mind of the lost sinners blinded by Satan and humanity typically finds it easier to believe a lie than they do to believe the truth. When they look at it, it's almost easier for some people that don't know Jesus Christ to believe a lie versus to believe the truth. That is because we were lost from the beginning. We were born as sinful nature. We were born as sinful preacher. We were were lost from the beginning. And Satan does everything he can to blind people from the truth, to keep them from seeing God's word. Paul had revealed in the scripture that the minds of the Jews and the Gentiles had been veiled. That's what he was talking about before the therefore. The Jews and the Gentiles didn't see what they needed to see. Their their minds had been veiled and the the truth had been covered up. They were shielded from the truth. People are lost and perishing and they cannot understand the message of the gospel. Satan does not want the light of salvation to shine in their hearts. Man, he keeps them from it. He does everything to make it comfortable for them to stay away from it. Satan does not want anything to, to move forward for the, for the non-believer. Satan tries to keep the lost sinners in the dark so that he can control them. That's what he does. He controls them from the dark. The sad thing is that Satan uses religious teachers to deceive people. And that's where your studies come in. Satan uses religious people to deceive people. And that's why you've got to know the Bible. That's why you've got to meditate on the Bible. That's why you've got to study the Bible and be in the Word so that you know this. You have a foundation, that you have something to stand on, that you can challenge somebody when they're using the Word of God. Because false teachers will take the Word of God and twist it and try to manipulate it. And think about it. All the way back to Eve in the Garden of Eden, Satan used what? Scripture to twist, to, to deceive Eve in the wilderness with, with Jesus Christ himself. Satan took scripture and tried to twist it to deceive him. He, they do that. False teachers are something we have to be on guard for each and every day. Paul tells us that we're not to proclaim ourselves. We're not to claim anything else. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servant to the Lord. Paul was certainly a man who exemplified genuine humanity. 
He sought only to lead people to Jesus Christ and to build them up in their faith. Let me tell you something. That's two important things in Christian ministry. That's what we need to be doing. That's our focus. That's our, our focus at Pine Hill Baptist Church. One, to lead people to Jesus Christ and to build them up in the faith. Church, pay attention to that statement. Our mission is three points. One, to seek out lost people, to seek them out, to ask God to put them in our life, to put them in our path, to seek out lost people, to lead them to the foot of the cross, to Jesus Christ, and then once they're there, to build them up in Christian faith. That's our mission. That's our task together. So let's look at this. What happens when you share Jesus Christ with a lost sinner? This is what happened. The veil is removed. The scales are removed. The veil is removed, and the light begins to shine. They see things completely different than they did before. Now, let's look at a little bit further, and I'm almost done. Jason, you can put that Genesis scripture up now. Paul compared conversion to the creation as described in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now, you think, let's go all the way back to the beginning when God created the, the planet, when he created everything on this planet. Let's look at that and see how the, the, the lost sinner is compared to new creation. Let's look at Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. They were formless. They were empty. It was empty. Do think about the, the new believer, the, the, the lost sinner. Look at the comparison. Just like the Bible describes the earth in Genesis 1-2, the lost sinner is formless, he's empty, and he's dark. Same thing as in the beginning of time. But when he or she trusts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they become a new creation. They're changed from what it was. God then begins to form and to fill their life and the person who trusts Christ, and they begin to be fruitful in the Lord. And in this, look at this. God's let there be light makes everything new. In the beginning of time when he said let there be light and there was light on the planet, the same thing when, when a, a sinner, a lost sinner becomes a new believer, God says let there be light. And light starts shining in their life. Jesus Christ comes in. The light is inside of them. Now, this thing, I'm almost done. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is the treasure that God wants us to have. It's the treasure that we have in our hearts. It's what he's done for us. If you want to just share that treasure of what Jesus Christ has done for all people, then you can add the fact of what he's done for you on top of that. Dedicated Christian ministry is how this treasure is going to get out into the world. Here we go, the, the, the final part of it here. The most important thing in Christian ministry is that Jesus Christ is revealed to people and that God is glorified throughout the world. Amen. Man, God loves us so much. Look at the work he's done for us. Look at how he's changed people. Look at what he's done every step of the way. Look at the extent that he went to for salvation. Look at what his plan was to make sure that we had eternal life with him. Man, it's all right there in the word. God loves us so much, and he offers heaven as a free gift. It's not something we deserve. We, don't, we didn't earn it. We deserve completely the opposite of what God wants us to have. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And that shows God's unconditional love for us. It shows us how much he does love us. And he's willing to, to go to extremes to make sure that we have a relationship with him. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Man, man is a sinner. We can't save ourselves. We inherited that from Adam. No way around it. We've got to deal with it. But we've got an opportunity to move away from it. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Sin is a separator, man. It, it blocks us from having any kind of relationship with, with the Father. It, it's, it's, there, it's there from the beginning, but God loved us, and through his uh, wisdom, he put a Jesus Christ on, a, on a earth to walk 33-plus years. Every step of the way, he was walking one step closer to the cross. He never deviated from those, that walk. Man, he, there was a lot of, of change in direction because of ministry opportunities that he had, but every step was a forward step heading to the cross. He never stopped that path. He knew what was going to take place, and he never deviated from his path. Romans ten thirteen says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, and it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your past has been like. It doesn't matter what you've thought, what you've done. It says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say you've got to clean it up before you can come in his presence. It doesn't say you've got to change a bunch of things because he's going to change you. If he comes into your heart, he's going to change you. It, there's no way around that. But he didn't say you've got to change it before I come into your heart. He's available each and every day, and he wants to make it a part of your life. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, and eternity is way too long to be wrong. There's no second chance. Once, you're, once you draw that last breath here, there's no second chance. Whatever decision you have made in this life determines where you'll spend eternity. You're either going to spend eternity separated from God in hell, or you're going to spend eternity with him and have eternal life in heaven. That's the only two choices. Maybe today you'd like to make sure and know without a shadow of doubt that you are saved and that you want to be saved and that you are saved. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God made it easy. He didn't make it hard. All he said was, trust me and invite me in and I'll change you and repent of your ways. Things are going to be different. You're going to be living for me. You're going to be sharing the gospel. You're going to be talking to people about me and it's going to be a whole new experience. I make all things new. This morning, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Maybe you don't know this Jesus I've been telling you about. I'd love to share more with you about him. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, don't, don't let your eyes go to sleep tonight without knowing because I certainly am available during this service, after this service, and even, even on in through this day. You got my number. If you don't feel like coming forward right now, certainly don't, don't walk away from it. Man, I, I, I just can't sleep knowing that people don't know the Lord. It's just a troublesome thing for me, but it's a burden that God's given me. And it's something that, that I take, don't take lightly. I take it very seriously. So in a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. Whatever the decision you want to make, you, you just make that. If you need to come to the altar to pray, you just come on down. Our deacons would love to come down and pray with you. Uh, you know, whatever it is, we don't need to know what you're praying for. We'd love to just pray for you. If you need to talk about Jesus, I'm down here on the front. I'd love to talk to you as well. If you want to plug into this church, man, there's no better place to, to be worshiping. You come into this church join this church, be a part of this church, they'll put you to work. They're going to feed you, but they'll put you to work as well. Amen? Whatever, the, whatever your decision, this is a time of invitation, which is a vertical, uh, vertical issue with God the Father. There's no looking around. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter who's going or not going to the altar. It doesn't matter. It matters what you have your life and your soul secured with Jesus Christ. Father God, I come before you this morning. God, just thanking you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's in your word. God, just thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, thanking you for the fact that he went to a cross to, to pay a sin debt that he didn't owe for me. 
and for all people. God, I just pray that if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would make that change, that they would want to have a relationship with you. Father, for others in their congregation, God, that those are dealing with medical issues, those are dealing with any type of struggle in their life, God, I just pray that, that this would be a time that they would just lay it at your feet and God, just give it to you and let you deal with it. Father, we, we move in this time of invitation and Father, we ask that you move among us. Ask the Holy Spirit just to fill this room, God, and let us feel your presence from, from each and every step of the way. Father, we thank you for Jesus. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.